Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $20 on the steel MS-162 or MS-170 chainsaw. Real steel. Offer valid through June 30th, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Second hour is here. Outkick 360 is back from 6th and Peabody with Yeehaw Beer, Old Smoky Moonshine, and you. Glad you're with us across the network, which includes, uh, of course, YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, uh, podcasts, wherever you find your podcast or download your podcast, just search out Outkick 360. And across the Skyview Radio Networks with the Outkick Network in Muscle Shoals, Alabama, Florence, Huntsville. We say hello there. Fox Sports Shoals, uh, Fox Sports Knoxville, and of course our great friends in the Upper Cumberland, uh, Cookville, Crossville, and the area there here in Tennessee. We say hello to Sports Radio 104.7. Hit us up on Twitter at Outkick360 if you'd like to chime in on the show. You can also do that in the chat. Chad stays very active in the chat on um, I do. on YouTube. They hate me in that chat. They really do. They hate you? At times. Look, if you step out of line in the chat, <laughs> I'm going to put you in check. And people don't like that. So the trolls people hate People don't you. like to be held to account The trolls times. hate you. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. You're, th- you're, you're blocking people left and right? Well, there's someone. It, it's weird. There's these like accounts that will just infiltrate uh, a chat. <laughs> and it's not just the adult sites at times. There's a guy now that I'm not even kidding you, just out of nowhere, is tweeting a, a Portland Trailblazer stats over and over and over again and opinions on uh, Lillard and the Trailblazers. That's Jacob Swanson who's doing that. It's, it's very strange. The uh, producer extraordinaire behind the, behind the cameras here, um, he's, he's over there tweeting you Portland Trailblazer stats. Oh, it's, uh, it's Bill Walton in the chat, actually. He <laughs> wanted to talk about his Blazers. And he's uh, high on ayahuasca right now. That's, that's what's happening. We'll preview Monday Night Football coming up in about 20 minutes. Ike Taylor will join us, former Steeler, uh, Super Bowl champ. Uh, He will join us at uh, 3.20 this afternoon as the Steelers host the Chicago Bears tonight on Monday Night Football. Looking forward to uh, chatting with the 12-year veteran. Uh, Top 25 notes from college football. Wake Forest blows a a 45-27 lead. They fall to North Carolina. Chad and I watching that game in real time as we were getting ready for kickoff with uh, Alabama and LSU. Meanwhile, we were following the Auburn game and against Texas A&M. A&M, again, spoils everything that we had hoped for with the Iron Bowl uh, by not just, not just beating Auburn, but just handling them. Run game, front seven, the whole bit. Uh, Bo Nix, inconsistent. And the, the difference is A&M's defense is very consistent week to week. It was uh, very 2005, that game, when it's 3-3 three to three at halftime. And, and A&M's defensive front just controlled uh, the game throughout, really. R- really nice win for A&M. Those two early losses, when you look at them losing to, to Mississippi State and Arkansas early in the season, and the way they have now, I don't, I'm not going to say found their identity because I feel like they knew coming into the season this needed to be their identity. They're playing into the identity of ball control, have a quarterback that's the backup that doesn't get you beat. Let your defense dominate. Let your defense keep you around games. And, and that's kind of what they become. And it, it really it, it showed through this Saturday against Auburn. And it does set up now the scenario where Auburn, we were talking about, controlled their own destiny. 
going into that Iron Bowl game, that's that's no longer the case. A&M looked great defensively on Saturday. I mentioned Wake Forest falling uh, after leading 45-27. It was former Vol Ty Chandler that pulled the help pull the comeback and helped he was, dominate for UNC. 22 carries, 213 yards in that game. That's the first time I've paid attention to Ty Chandler since he transferred. Yeah, he he was he was great and North Carolina for a team that's that's been down this year has been a big disappointment based on expectations in the preseason. They fell behind by 14 two different times in that game and, and battled back and won. I, I thought that Wake Forest wasn't getting enough respect as an 8-0 team in the first college football yeah. playoff ranking. But what is it we all said when we saw them there? Well, they're going to lose some games. They're not well, going to go undefeated all year. And then the first time out after the ranking comes out, they get beat by Cincinnati. Cincinnati is one of those teams that felt disrespected. And I, I mentioned last week, Chad, up. What message is the committee sending to Cincinnati when you don't put them in the top four to begin with? And if they go lose, everyone points and says, oh, see, we knew they weren't for real. When really you're sending the message that it doesn't matter if you're unbeaten or not. Mentally, I wonder how that plays on kids. It, it happened with Wake Forest. It did not happen to Cincinnati, but it was overall just an uneventful game for the Bearcats. Yeah, it was, it was a sort of a lethargic yeah. uh, Cincinnati performance. And we had this discussion Saturday, Hutton, as we're getting ready to go into Bryant-Denny Stadium, uh, that... Everyone, all the media is then going to say, you see, yep. this is why Told the Alabama so. Crimson. And that's what's funny about this, having it both ways on that discussion. This is why we put Alabama at number two and not Cincinnati. And right. Cincinnati went out there and they showed themselves for the frauds they are. <laughs> and they looked back. I'm thinking Alabama almost lost at home to a team without a coach on Saturday after you gave them the number two spot. I think that's BS. I think Cincinnati is deserving of a spot in that first four, at least the first ranking they're deserving of a spot. And Hutton, you, you nailed it. The message can be both ways. We're going to go out and prove it to them and show them why we belong. Or, guys, we've been talking all offseason after a close call a year ago and playing with Georgia in a bowl game that we're going to go out and win a national title and play in the playoff this year. And we have done everything in our way, in our path, all offseason and throughout the regular season to get in that position and they just told us we can't do that. Our goals are unattainable because they have decided we can't do it. That can also be a negative message that's received by a team and makes them a little bit lethargic. So pardon me for being a little bit forgiving for Cincinnati after experiencing that. Well, So Michigan State falls. We'll, we'll get to uh, the Big Ten in just a moment. Michigan State falls out of number three after their loss to Purdue. And I go to number four with Oregon. Oregon does nothing to impress me. Um, they, they won. They're, they're going to finish 11 and one most likely, but against Washington, their passing game. I mean, it's, it feels like I'm back in like 1989, 10 of 20 for 98 yards. The Oregon ducks, 10 for 20, 98 yards passing against Washington. Now they ran the football for 215 yards, but I mean, it, nothing about them to me is impressive. Oregon is very, very confusing as a program right now. And I say that for this reason. We all knew when they hired Mario Cristobal, this was going to be an identity flip. They were going to go from fun and gun of the Chip Kelly type offense and era to we're going to be a hard-nosed, almost Stanford-esque type program, but with better players. Yeah, smash mouth. We're going to build it on the line, on both lines of scrimmage. We got a guy in Mario Cristobal who has recruited everywhere he's been, great at recruiting the South at different programs. Mm-hmm. He's going to come in. We're going to have this tough-nosed, big physical identity 
in Eugene, Oregon, in this hippie town in the Northwest where our school is located. And that's going to be our identity now. And then I find myself, just like you, Hutton, watching Oregon play and thinking, well, he did it. This is the result. Here it is, 26-16 over Washington. Boy, this isn't fun. <laughs> I mean, I'm glad that you guys got what you wanted, but boy, this is painful to watch at times. And I'm just, you know, we'd have to have some Oregon perspective on to know about that, but it just, it, to me, flies in the face of what made Oregon a national power Yeah. when I watch them play right now. Again, Mario Cristobal, he's being rumored at LSU. He's going to get looks for other head coaching jobs. This is not a knock on him. Or Travis Guy, who's running all over opponents. Yeah, when they hired him, they knew what they were getting with that, and he's been successful in doing mm -hmm. it. That's why he's going to get other opportunities. I just come away from Oregon games thinking, well, you got what you asked. And to me, as an outsider, I, I, I'd find myself not wanting to watch Oregon, but yet here they are at number four in the college football playoff rankings. Any chance that so Ohio I know State nothing. jumps them? Basically what I'm saying is I know nothing. It gets into the top no, four? No, not with their performance well, over Nebraska. Well, Michigan State's loss, someone can jump in, right? True. So, but, oh, but, they're not going to jump Oregon. Okay, so you're, you're saying, saying Oregon they moves might up go to three. three. Yeah, I, th I think what's going to happen is Oregon goes three with their win over Washington arrival, and then Ohio State goes four. Now, what should happen is the no-brainer is Michigan State falls behind Cincinnati, mm -hmm. and they at least go to five. So we get a one-week tease of their one spot out of the playoff, right? Should. That's what should happen. We'll see what the committee does. Ohio State uh, wins over Nebraska, but it was not easy. Not easy. Uh, and, and In fact, there were uh, moments in this game watching this at the same time we're watching and keeping an eye on Wake Forest where it looked like Nebraska was going to pull the upset. Nebraska was driving with a chance to win it. I think it was 23-17 at the time. And uh, just, uh, I think, I don't know that this one was a turnover. I feel like it was, they just turned it over on downs uh, back to Ohio State. They had opportunities in this game. That Nebraska defense and what they were able to do against a great Ohio State offense, statistically the best in the country, again, shows me that if Nebraska can hold on to Eric Chenander as defensive coordinator, and they put a living, breathing body at quarterback that can be developed that's not named Adrian Martinez, they have a chance to make a big jump. If you're looking right now at a team that could make a big jump next year, it's a team like Nebraska that keeps losing in painful, excruciating ways. They've, they've quartered because the market of quarterback. On that. Yeah, because of quarterback mistakes. I mean, their defense gives themselves a chance against really good teams in the Big Ten and against Oklahoma. Yep. They had a great shot in that one also. And the quarterback continually gets in Nebraska's way. I don't know what's gone on with the lack of recruiting of a quarterback or keeping someone... Either way, if they can figure it out at quarterback next year and they can continue to play defense this level, they're going to be a team to reckon with in the Big Ten West quickly a year from now. And we get the news earlier today that Scott Frost will be the head coach next year. That announcement coming down from Nebraska. What's wild about Michigan State and their loss to Purdue is Kenneth Walker did his thing. Uh, and they, they lost because Purdue's quarterback, Aiden O'Connell, 536 yards passing, completing passes to eight different receivers, and David Bell, 11 catches for 217 yards. 40 completions, 536 yards against Mel Tucker's secondary. 594 yards of offense for <laughs> Purdue. 55 passes. Purdue. 40 for 55. I am telling you. I have long been a big fan of Jeff Brom, and I know that he kind of quietly goes through a season and a half, 
where you think, oh, you know, Purdue's about what Purdue should be. You know, four and eight. That's about where they should be. That's the type of path they're on. But they will sneak up and have performances like this. We saw them blow out Iowa. We saw them now beat Michigan State. He is a really good offensive football coach, especially in the passing game, as we saw in, the, in this game. I'm always surprised that Jeff Brom isn't mentioned for other bigger, better jobs. But he's, he's done a very nice job at Purdue. And Michigan State, this was sort of the game where, to me, Hutton, all the fears we had about Michigan State and what could happen with this season. Couldn't get stops. Well, even with Kenneth Walker playing so well mm-hmm. that this was going to happen at some point, and it happened against a, a Purdue team that they should beat. They should. Uh, I, you watch Purdue play, though, and you were like, how is this team 6-3? and three? How, how does this team not – how are they not better going into this week? When, but, you, when you see the efficiency of which they, they throw the football. They're like a lot of teams at that level where they can look like this one week against a really good opponent and then lose to you know, Western Michigan early in the year just because they don't have it on that particular side. That's not unlike a lot of schools. By the way, Purdue's got a chance another big upset. They go to Columbus at 2.30 this weekend and take on Ohio State. Purdue could be the, the giant killer of all giant killers. They could be beat, the A&M of the, of the Big Ten. Well, they beat number two Iowa at the time, number three in the college football yeah. playoff ranking, Michigan State. And then they could beat number four if we think it plays out the way we think. I, I Another think right. team in that playoff field this Saturday on the road in Columbus. Only because I, if, if Ohio State's not in the top four last week, uh, they did nothing to jump a team in the top four this week. And honestly, would you be shocked if that's not a game? Coming down to the wire? Not anymore. It should be a game. We'll talk with Bobby Carpenter I'll be watching. about that. Carpenter thought that Purdue was going to win that game on Friday when we talked to him. I was not buying it. I don't know. Uh, because I, of I, Mel Tucker's defense. I, I would be curious to see if old Bobby's going to pick against his Buckeyes, though, in this, in this game. <laughs> we'll really get a sense of uh, how much of a homer Bobby Carpenter is when we ask about, hey, Bobby, you're all over Purdue over Michigan State. They're going to do the same this week against Ohio State? Your thoughts? We'll find out. Uh, coming up, Ike Taylor's going to join us. Steelers and Bears will wrap up week nine across the NFL for Monday Night Football tonight. Any chance you think he picks against Pittsburgh at home against Chicago and Justin Fields? Speaking of Ohio State guys. There's no way. There's no way he's picking against Pittsburgh. Hard to pick against Tomlin. Uh, one of the things I want to dig into with, with uh, Ike Taylor is the consistency of Mike Tomlin since he took over for Bill Cowher. And uh, Taylor was there for that transition of head coaches with Cower out and Tomlin in uh, 14 years later, the guy's not had a losing season as the head coach of the Pittsburgh Steelers. And now they have a chance to get two games above 500 for a team that started one and three. If the Steelers win tonight, there will be 11 teams with a winning record in the AFC after week nine. The only other time that's happened since 1970 was back in 2014. Doesn't happen often. There is a, There are a lot of good teams in the AFC. Maybe not a great one. A lot of good teams in the AFC right now. And the Steelers are hoping to be among that group after tonight. Ike Taylor, former Steeler, joins us next on OutKick 360. OutKick 360 across the OutKick network. Just a moment. We'll be joined by Ike Taylor. Chad, uh, plenty going on here at 6th and Peabody. They say Monday is among the busier days, actually, because a lot of people that are in town from the weekend are loading up on the old smoky moonshine before they hit the airport. This is a little bit of a hack if you're a fan of uh, of Six and Peabody to know this in advance. We love the the taco station here. They also have uh, Daddy's Dogs on site. Daddy's Dogs is open every day, from what I can tell, the stand outside. But the taco shop is not open on Tuesdays and Wednesdays. Why? 
for the reason you said, Hutton. Weekends start on a Thursday here at Old Smoky, 6 and Peabody, and they go through Monday because you see a lot of people with luggage walking around the gift shop here on Mondays before they catch a flight. And tonight, you can watch Monday Night Football on the biggest indoor screen in Music City. It's a monster. Uh, Steelers and Bears tonight on Monday Night Football. Former Steeler, two-time Super Bowl champ, 12-year NFL vet. Ike Taylor joins us here on OutKick 360. Ike, great to have you on the show, man. Hope you're doing well. What's up, fellas? How y'all doing? Thanks for having me. Do, doing well. Doing real well. Uh, so, Steelers Monday night. How are you How are you taking in the game? What's the former Steeler do on a, a marquee national matchup? Pittsburgh's on these a couple times a year. Uh, at this point, is it just, you know, typical Monday night for you, chilling at the house or what? Yeah, so I'll probably go. Uh, I got my cigar line. So, my cigar line is uh, one of a kind. Yeah. But you can uh, at Howard G Cigars. Dot com. So I probably light me up a cigar. Um, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go by my son's house um, and his mom and watch the Monday Night Football game against the Pittsburgh Steelers and uh, the Chicago Bears. Man, so yeah, I probably give me some red grapes, Cabernet, of course, probably that Austin Hope, and smoke me a stogie. So you smoke a stogie during the game. Do you double up? Do you go with a second victory stogie <laughs> if, if in fact the Steelers win? Ain't even got to be no victory for me to get to the second. <laughs> I'm gonna go. I don't like that thing regardless. Yeah, Ike's not playing. It's always no. a win for him either way that he's watching the game but not out there. So it's a it's a it's a two cigar night either way. I love it. Ike, I, I brought this up earlier in the show. If the Steelers win tonight, we're we're going to have uh, eleven teams in the AFC with a winning record going into Week Ten. Is there a great team among this AFC group right now as we hit the home stretch for playoff contention? No, nah, not right now. If you look at the records, uh, the NFC right now got the best records. A lot of eight, not a lot, but a few eight ones, a few seven and twos. Um, they 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 doing pretty good in the NFC. The AFC, you know, it's a lot of five and fours, yeah, six and four. Uh, it's just right now how I look at the AFC fellas is whoever get the hottest, the latest. You know what I'm saying? And right now, Pittsburgh got an opportunity to win four games in a row with that with that rocky start at the beginning of the season. So. Pittsburgh kind of hitting their stride right now, but we always looked at it, man. We want to do good in November, December football. About time we get to January, man, and the playoffs starts, we're hitting the ground running. So this always, like, been, I thought, my our mentality when you're playing for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Kind of go, you know, three and one, three and one every quarter. You know, put yourself in good position. By the time you get to the to November, December football, you want to hit the ground running. But that's how we always looked at it, man. We looked at it like quarterly. We, we try to keep it realistic. But for us, our first objective was to, to win a division. So you win a division, you automatically got action, regardless on, regardless on what your record is, total record is. So that was the number one priority for us is winning a division. After that, man, you just looked at it going three and one every quarter, three and one every quarter, three and one every quarter. So that's how it was. And for the most part out of my career, that's exactly what we did. Former Steeler Ike Taylor with us. Speaking of the quarterly records, uh, it was the Cincinnati game on the road at Heinz Field that made me kind of raise an eyebrow to the Steelers. The first quarter, they were one and three. Now they've turned things around, as you mentioned, a chance to be two games above 500 after tonight. What have they figured out that they didn't have ready to go in September? Running the ball, man. And I've been saying this for like the past, you know, three years. Like, yeah, I appreciate what Seven has done for the organization, um, especially winning that Super Bowl for us in Tampa. But Man, that was damn near 12 years ago. You know what I'm saying? So it's a lot of miles on his body. So let's go back to, to, to 12 rookie 
or first three first three years. I mean, seven rookie first three years in the uh, in the league. And when I say seven, that's I mean Big Ben. I mean, he had a good running game in the defense. Uh, we didn't ask him to do too much. He made plays when he needed to. You know, that was Mister. That was Mister. You know, three. That was Mister. Three Minute Man. You know, when you needed to play at the end of the game, that's what seven was going to do. He was going to come up clutch for it. So, I think in between them times, between you know his 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 few rookie years and in in his last couple of years, man, he just or they asked him to do too much, you know. So I thought they needed to go back and letting him hand the ball off to a young Najee. You know, you're an elderly guy right now in the league. You've been playing for a long time. You got a lot of young talent around you. Going on, let the young talent rock, and you know, let them and hopefully they can help you get number seven for the organization, number three for you. So that's what I thought. There was that's what I thought they did the last couple of games, man. I thought the Pittsburgh Steelers, as a coaching staff, they said, you know what, man, we're gonna take the ball out your hands. Whenever we need you, of course, we're going to call upon you. Well, man, you got to let the young guys take this thing over. And that's what I think the Pittsburgh Steelers have been doing. They've been running the ball with Najee, and they always been playing good defense in my mind. Like, I can't help but to love Mike Tomlin when I, when I hear him speak. And uh, he's got such a distinctive attitude and personality, and it feels like the Pittsburgh organization kind of models after that attitude and his players play uh, with that attitude. I loved his message about the USC job and saying never say never, but never, and went on the long rant about it. One of the greatest, you know, I'm not taking another job rants that I've seen. What was it like playing for Mike Tomlin and that personality? And do you agree that his teams tend to take on his personality when playing? Man, we always say, y'all, you are your coach's personality. You know what I'm saying? If you just look at what Tennessee did to the L.A. Uh, Rams last night, man, that, you know, Coach Coach Mike Vrabel, man, he – he got a he got a hey man, let's go to the bar, drink a few beers, and let's beat everybody up mentality. That's the same way his team is. You can tell by the way they drive. If you look at Coach Sean McVay, it's more of a finesse kind of kind of team. And that's just what it is for us. With Coach Cowell, man, it was it was the same, it was the same way with Coach Rabel, man. It was like, hey, let's get a few brews, let's go to a bar, let's beat up everybody. You know what I'm saying? With Coach Tomlin right now, Coach Tomlin, he'll give you the best of both worlds. It just depends on who you play. You know, sometimes he might finesse you. Sometimes it just might be an all-out brawl. So that's what I love about Coach T. He had a high. Coach T has a high IQ for football. And one of his gifts is teaching. And regardless of what level you're at, man, we always remember good teachers in our life, whether it's school or football coach. And that's Coach T, man. Coach T, you know, I felt like he was just born to be, you know, Pittsburgh still the head coach off of his IQ. You know what I'm saying? He can teach a kid, whether he's three years old, or you can, he can teach an adult well. They're 73 years old. They know nothing about football. Sitting down with Coach Tomlin, you know, for 30 minutes, man, you're going to learn about coverages and football, and you're going to wind up feeling like you, you can be a head coach. That's just Coach T. So that's what Coach T brings to the table, man. He brings the best of both worlds, which a lot of coaches can't do. He can finesse you if you need to, but he can also play smash mouth. Yeah, and he can keep things simple and have success. And I, th I think one of the – one of the great things about the Steelers uh, and the secret to that success is the transition of head coaching power. You were there for that with Cowher and Tomlin. What what was the secret ingredient with that? Because a lot of times a new coach wants to come in, even if things are successful, right. and they want right. to sprinkle in their way of doing things. But there is a Steelers right. way of doing things, and they get it right in the draft by picking the guys that fit that mentality, and they clearly do it with their coaches too. And the secret is, ain't no secret. That's what we say in the locker room. That's what we say as an organization. By the end of the day, man, we always looked at football. The best teams who are going to win championships is the best teams that bring organized violence. And that's all football is, organized violence. 
So you just got to be controlled when you're talking about the organized violence. You got to know when you need to be violent. You got to know when, man, okay, this this guy's this, this guy's pushing my button. I got to slow down a little bit, man. I don't want to hurt the team, so I can't be violent right now. So, but in between them whistles, man, it's all violence. You know what I'm saying? And that's what the Pittsburgh Steelers do a good job of. They do a good job of drafting guys who all think team. They take the me's out and they draft guys who are all about the, the week, what we doing. You know, that's just the organization. That's just how the Rooney's and, and, and the GM, Kevin Coleman, Coach T.S. staff, that's just how we was raised. That's just how we was taught. And it's just proven. You know, when you talk to the 70 Steelers, that's all they talk about. They talk about we, what we doing, what we doing, what we doing. It was never about me, 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 look at my stats. I and mean, if you just look at the draft picks back in the 70s and just look at the Hall of Fame gold jackets that them guys has, you got nothing but, you couldn't do nothing but respect it. But what you did respect and what you did like as a football player was they was very violent on the field. You know what I'm saying? And, and that's and that's the secret, fellas. The secret is it ain't no secret. Football is running the hit. You know, a high coastal boy used to say, you know, little man hitting, big man running. And that, that used to be a beauty to his eyes. And when he used to see big man running down the field and chasing down screens, when he used to see, you know, little guys like myself coming up and sacrifices and hitting running backs, that was music to his ears. So we just kind of gravitated towards that, but that's just still the way. Well, you, you described it beautifully there, Ike, about the Steeler way. And, and I always think identity is the word that comes to mind with, with Pittsburgh. I think Baltimore has some of that also, where when they draft players, immediately you could say, that makes sense as a Baltimore Raven. But the Steelers have it, I think, more than any other franchise. And I'll give you an example. All throughout the draft process, I was telling these guys, Najee Harris is a Pittsburgh Steeler. There was just something about him and his projection around that area where they were going to draft and Pittsburgh needing a running back. I'm thinking, I can see right now Najee Harris from Alabama in a Pittsburgh Steelers uniform doing very well. What do you think about the rookie running back for Pittsburgh and, and fitting that identity of that organization? Well, I didn't think Pittsburgh would, would I didn't think Pittsburgh was going to draft a, a first round running back. You know what I'm saying? But then when you looked at Najee's story, uh, when you looked at what how Najee and where he came up from, how little have he come up from, he's always been an unselfish guy. Then when you look at what Najee did on his on his teammates' pro day, him driving down the 13 hours from where he was at just to support his teammates. You know what I'm saying? Then and that when I heard that, I was like, you know what? He'll Pittsburgh Steelers. He'll Pittsburgh Steelers because he's very unselfish. And then when you flip in the tape, he, then when you watch, watch him in college, how he, you know he. He jumping over people. It happened to be 6'3". You know, he's running over guys. He's just a total team player. Then when you talk to the teammates, like, he don't want it. So, yeah, me personally, I didn't think Pittsburgh was supposed to draft a first-round running back because I know the value of running backs. But then when I when I started to listen and read some of his stories, I said, okay, he's a, he's a Pittsburgh Steelers. And that's, how, and that's how we always go into the draft. Like, even us as players, we say either a Steelers or not. You know, we, we don't care about the height, size, or speed. All we look at is this guy that we're about to bring in, a Pittsburgh Steeler. Ike Taylor, our guest, he was a Pittsburgh Steeler, is a Pittsburgh Steeler, uh, with uh, two-time Super Bowl uh, champ with the rings there. Um, Roethlisberger, the quarterback, I'm not sure for how much longer. I, I think the assumption is they were loading up for one more year with him. What What is life going to be like without Big Ben looking around the division with Lamar Jackson and Joe Burrow and Baker Mayfield and now whatever Pittsburgh's going to do at quarterback, 
How how weird is it going to be without seven? You referenced seven earlier in, in this chat, and what's the plan? Do you think they go the veteran route, or are they going to go young? Uh, I think I think they might go the veteran route. Um, I don't think Coach T want to deal with a young quarterback at this point in time of his career unless he really finds somebody he likes, unless Pittsburgh really do a good job of getting people who they want in the draft and in the offseason to surround this young guy. But, you know, it's been a lot of speculations and talk about Aaron Rodgers. So yep. that could be a, a, a good fit. Um, my co-host, Mark Bergen, for the Believe in Steelers podcast, a uh, podcast we do a few times out of the week, he said it in the summertime. I laughed at him. I was like, man, you tripping. <laughs> and things just came to fruition for it. So obviously he must have known or felt something that I wasn't looking at. But, you know, Aaron Rodgers have talked great about the Pittsburgh Steelers city. Um, he is a fan of Coach T. Uh, I don't think he have had that defense before, um, other than the defense when they beat us in the Super Bowl. But for AR-12, because that's what we like to call him, AR-12, <laughs> I think it fit for, for, for the Pittsburgh Steelers and Coach T if he doesn't want to deal with a young guy. Now, if you do want to deal with a young guy, of course, man, he got to set this young guy up with some guys on offense, some young explosive guys on offense, whether it's the offseason and you're talking about the free agency or whether it's dealing with them guys in the draft. So right now, whoever comes in, whether you're a young guy or a veteran guy, one thing you will have, you will have a running game and you'll have a now a more mature offensive line because this offensive line have went from okay to now they find their identity when it comes down to running the ball, and you will have a, a nice, which we always have had over the course of my career and just, you know, over history, is a good defense. So that's what the young man going to come into, or that's what the veteran guy going to come into. But that's what he at with it, man. It's just on what, what Coach Teeth wants to do when it comes down to that quarterback position. Ike Taylor, our guest here on Outkick 360, who was a player throughout your career that – maybe should have or could have been a Pittsburgh Steeler, but never was. Who fit the mentality of your locker Honey room? Badger. Honey Badger. We okay. wanted, we wanted, we, 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 I'm talking about we, like, yeah. at the time, eight guys from New Orleans on the team, you know, and Honey Badger, he sat out that year with, uh, of course, he got in some trouble at LSU, but, man, we was begging the front office and Coach T, man, for us to drive Honey Badger. We felt like Honey Badger was a Pittsburgh Steeler. Now, can you only imagine how Honey Badger would look at that and that black and gold and the, the, his mentality and his style and him sitting behind a Ryan Clark for a couple of years, a Troy Polamalu for a couple of years, soaking up all that wisdom and just letting him turn loose right now. So that's that's one. It's, it's a lot of other guys, but yeah. the first guy that came to mind was Honey Badger, man, because we really did vouch for Honey Badger to be a Pittsburgh Steeler. Your your story is an interesting one, Ike, in that you were sort of a late arrival to the cornerback position. Uh, started out in college at UL Lafayette as a, as a running back and played some on special teams. But was it your idea to go to your coach and say, give me a shot at corner, which obviously was a pretty good decision in the long haul? No, I was playing running back. So uh, Coach Garrett Bartell, who was the, the, the DB coach, secondary coach at the time at UL, he was like, you a cornerback. And I'm like, nah, man, I'm a running back. I want to score touchdowns. He was like, with your, with your size and your speed um, and with your aggressiveness, you need to play corner. I, I can work on everything you need to work on. So he said, look, we we, we got rid of uh, Coach Ricky Bustle, and we brought in another coach at a time. So he swapped my position. Coach Garrett Bartell swapped my position from, from running back to cornerback. 
And it's, it's been on ever since. And it just so happened. I was the shortest guy out of the secondary. You know, we had Charles, you know, Peanut Punch Tillman on one side. We had Brian Demon. He was 6'3". We had Kyrie's Abel. He was 6'3". And I'm sitting at 6'2". And, you know, Charles Peanut, he's sitting at 6'2 and a half, 6'3". So we had a secondary. That when, when, we, when we got up on that field, man, we looked like some dogs. And we played like some dogs. <laughs> it was Gary Bartell, man. He was the one that swapped me. He always said it, man. So I'm just so glad I kind of listened to Coach Bartell 12 years later, two Super Bowl rings later in the NFL, man. Um, I, I think I made the right decision at that point in time. You definitely did. I, I don't know that anyone who named uh, Charles Peanut Tillman Peanut at six foot two made the right decision. I'd figure a guy named Peanut would be shorter uh, than six foot two. So I'm not <laughs> sure that you, you know how he got that name, or did you just always know him as Peanut? Man, that's how I just know Charles as Peanut. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> we all do. But I, I was, yeah, was six foot two also. Um, I'm curious, you're from New Orleans or, or spent some time in New Orleans. Obviously a huge LSU area, but you play at UL Lafayette. Do you root against LSU as a UL Lafayette guy or are you cool with LSU and the, and the Tigers? I'm a home thing. So any, anybody in the state of Louisiana, I'm a root for. Right now, you know, the Raging Cajun have the best record in the state of Louisiana, you know, for the past two years, we've been in the top 25. So shout out to the Raging Cajun and Coach Bill Napier for, for changing our program around. He's been in talks of, of people looking for him to be a head coaching job. Hopefully we can pay, put some money to the side and keep the young man because he has been nothing but a blessing to that school. So I hope we can keep him for a while, but at the same time, that's just how the business goes. So, man, I've never not been a fan of, of, of the state of Florida. Like anybody coming out you know, the state of Florida, I mean, I'm sorry, the state of Louisiana, I've always called that person home to. Ike Taylor, our guest. Ike, is it true you used to listen to music in your helmet during games? And if so, how did you pull that off? Man, so how I put it off was um, I wound up getting the little, the little pause that, you know, so, you know, on the offensive side, the quarterbacks got a microphone. On the defensive side, the captains got a microphone. So I wound up just Bluetoothing that and I had iPad Nano. So I put the iPad I put the iPad, I put the iPad Nano under my uh under my shoulder pads, and I charged it up, and I kept it on Pandora, and, and on my Pandora was was Little Wayne, so you know it, it cost for like three and a half hours. So yeah, man, I, that's that's true. You can just you can ask my teammates, like that's what I was doing, man. I was just rocking the music during the times of the game. The receivers just think you were singing to yourself. They ain't no no better. Um, you know, it was loud, so they didn't know where the music was kind of coming from, you know. So for me, I was just jamming at the time. I did it like the last four years of my last five years of my career because, you know, for us, it was just like uh, verbal language when it came down to the place. So all I had to do was yeah. look to the side, see what plays it was for the, for the sign language for us in that secondary. And once I saw that, you know, the communication part between me, Troy, and RC man and, and Will Gay and Brian McFadden to Tyrone Carter and Anthony Smith, all and Chris Hope, all us, man, we just we we knew each other off of body language. So, you know, it did, and, and that's what it was playing with each other for that many years. So once I saw the sign and once I saw what defense we was in, man, my music was bumping. But during the during the play, I couldn't hear nothing during the play. And that's how zoned in you are. So, you know, them three, them three and a half, four seconds, I couldn't hear nothing because you just so locked in on that particular plate. But after that, man, then the music got back pumped. 
Well, speaking of audio, we're both on radio uh, and video, and we've got some people in the YouTube chat that can see you right now. For those that can't see you, there's a painting behind you, uh, Ike, and there's a lot of people wanting to know if there's a story behind the work of art behind you right now, or if this is just something that you picked up at Rooms to Go. No, nah, this is this is George Hutt. So this is I am a man. So it's 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 it's, it's back back in the day, um, real real close to Black history. So it's it's one third to one out of two eighty seven. So I am a man is talking about the Black history and the culture of 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 us and, and what it takes and what it is to be a Black man in America. So George Hunt is a is a famous Black artist. So what I do, yeah, I collect old school cars. Um, I got an old school Ford F-150 right now that's getting done. I got a Fastback 1968 um, Shelby that, that does Seymour Wars. So I collect cars, but them old school cars are valuable, just like black art. So I do collect black art. So I got a lot of black art around, <clears throat> around the house and I collect it so I can pass it down to my son who's 15. That's awesome. Ike Taylor has been our guest. And Ike, cigars. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. Collector of many things. Hey, I, I was talking to a cigar aficionado this weekend. I, I use that term uh, loosely there because I am certainly not one. He claims that m- the majority of Cuban cigars that people think they're smoking are not really Cuban cigars. Do you agree? Yes or no? And why? Yeah, that's that's one hundred percent because it's it's hard to get good. It's hard to get a Cuban cigar, a real true Cuban cigar. You know, just because somebody says Cuban don't mean it's Cuban. You really have to know cigars to know that it's okay. Cuban. A lot, a lot of people who smoke cigars, all they got to do is smell the cigar. And what they're looking for in a cigar is the role of the spit and who wrote it. Like, it's, it's, it's crazy. It's crazy. They can get real in-depth to it. So, you know, and Cuba does have some, some great tobacco. The Cuban is legendary for their tobacco. But don't forget, you know, it's a lot of good tobacco in Nicaragua. It's a lot of great tobacco and Lancaster PA. So that's that's mine. Mine is 80% Nicaragua, 20% Lancaster PA. So man, but yeah, but Cuba, man, it, you you gotta you gotta really be on those cigars. You gotta have years under your belt to understand what the tobacco is, to understand what the tobacco smell like, to understand what kind of tobacco comes from Cuba. So every time somebody says a Cuban cigar, for the most part, man, I just laugh. <laughs> It blew my mind when I yeah, heard that. I'm like, what, really? And he's like, yeah, they, 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 there's no chance that uh, anything. Well, that was that a great answer. Yeah, absolutely. All right, great to have you on the show, man. And uh, we'll be watching the Steelers tonight like you will be against the Bears. Thank you. Appreciate it. Thanks for the invite, fellas. You yep. got it. Anytime. Thanks for joining us. Ike Taylor has been our guest. Uh, you can follow him on Twitter at Ike underscore swagging you. Uh, <laughs> we just tweeted out Ike, Ike Taylor talking Cuban cigars with us now. <laughs> yeah. It's a great tweet. Good job, Ellie. Yeah. Well done. Coming up. Who, uh, knew? Some, Who knew that's where we were going? Some headlines. We'll talk some Tennessee Vols uh, with their win over Kentucky and much more. We will also recap Titans and Rams from last night on Outkick 360. Seen a lot of people uh, on the reporters, NFL reporters tweeting out teams that will not be claiming Odell Beckham Jr., who is available on the waiver wire today. Uh, no one's going to claim him. No one... <laughs> No one claimed uh, Deshaun Jackson for the same reason. No one has any cap space right now. And he, he becomes a free agent at 3 p.m. Uh, tomorrow, 3 p.m. Central tomorrow. So why would you claim him and pay him $7 million when you can get him for significantly less once he becomes a free agent? He'll also pick the team he wants to go to. Outkick 360 rolls on. The Lions have said they're not going to claim him. That doesn't mean they don't want to sign him. They're just not going to claim him and pay him nearly $8 million. Same thing for the Giants. 
all the reporters chatter just going through the list well, of just, teams in the waiver claim list. You know, it's it's what it's uh you know three fifty one Central Time on a Monday afternoon. They just need something to tweet. <laughs> I <laughs> guess that's what it is. You and I know it's not really newsworthy, but that's just what they have. So they're going to tweet it out. This team will not be claiming. This team will not be claiming. This you could do this thirty two times, and then eventually you're going to get back to the news cycle of oh now yeah. he gets to pick where he goes for cheaper. Top performers of the NFL weekend for week nine. Our standing ovations has to start with Jeffrey Simmons uh, and what we saw from the inside defensive lineman uh, position last night in the first half, three sacks against uh, Matthew Stafford and that Rams offensive front that stood no chance. I mean, if you want to see the definition of dominant, Jeffrey Simmons showed you that with Danico Autry from the jump. This wasn't just like a flash performance. They used and abused that offensive line for L.A. last night and got after Matthew Stafford throughout the game. Well done. It, it's, the only, it's only the second time we've seen a Tennessee Titan do that in a half. Kyle that, Vandenbosch did it. Now Jeffrey Simmons has done it. That first half bull rush sack where he took the guard and just threw, threw him, him into ragdoll. Stafford. And you could even see Stafford looking up Almost to say, what is, what's going what on here? What just happened? There was yeah. just a, a look of disgust as he's going down. Like, why is my guard getting thrown into me by Jeffrey? And it was immediate. I mean, that was the just picture-perfect bull rush back into the quarterback. It was impressive to watch. Uh, also impressive, the Denver Broncos defense. Uh, Denver up 30 to nothing. And that Dallas offense could do nothing. One of the top offenses in the league shut down by the Denver defense, uh, a, a complete performance yesterday by the Denver Broncos on the road. That is their first win uh, at the time that they've played them. That is their first victory over an opponent with a winning record. And they were criticized for starting 3-0. and It was their schedule, not their fault. They won against the teams they should win against early on. Started 3-0, and then lost, what, four consecutive games? Yep. Uh, and, and since then have played better than that terrible stretch. And they played their best game of the season against the Dallas Cowboys in Jerry World yesterday. All it took was getting rid of Von Miller. And they're good again. Josh <laughs> Allen, the, the other Josh Allen, was so upset that he's referred to as the other Josh Allen that he took down the real Josh Allen. And I feel like Eminem now. The real Josh Allen stepped up yesterday. He did. He did. Finally stepped up. No more of those Google searches for the, the, uh, the real Josh Allen that I'd put Josh Allen Kentucky by his name anymore. Could just be Josh Allen I mean, again. they... they you see a dominant performance. What if Josh Allen went up pregame and said, hey, loser changes his name. <laughs> right now, you and me. Let's have an arm wrestling contest before this game. Loser has to change his name to Josh Smith, and then you're no longer Josh Allen. Very generic. Yeah, just keep it as generic as Josh Allen is generic. Josh Smith to the loser. Uh, Patriots are now in contention for the AFC East, just like that. I mean, look, look at the Buffalo Bills losing to Jacksonville. Uh, they've now lost three games on the season. And New England is now a game above 500. Never would have expected that. And they go on the road. They, they beat the Chargers on the road. They've won three straight. They beat the Chargers on the road. This past week, they win against Carolina. Well, the AFC East is one of those divisions that we were calling early. Much like the AFC South, yep. which one do you, which division do you call quicker, AFC South or AFC East? And you're right, I did not see this coming. Where, and it's more the Bills' end of this, you know, and what they've done to not take control of that division than the than the Patriots have done. 
They're a factor. Watch out. They have the same number of wins as Buffalo as we enter that backstretch run for the postseason. Titans enter the, the heart of their schedule in November with the top record right now based on tiebreakers in the AFC, upsetting the Rams last night on Sunday night. We recap the matchup next on OutKick 360.